Okay, so hey everyone and welcome back to another episode of Default Global. This is where we connect with global first entrepreneurs and remote work experts from all around the world to share their experiences. Our guest today is Sagif Afak, uh, founder and CEO at Leap Lab. Uh, Sagif, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Sagif, you, you have had this impressive journey as an uh, engineering leader entrepreneur and special forces officer even. So can you briefly tell us your story and how these uh, diverse, I would say, experiences have shaped your approach to building and leading teams in the tech industry specifically? Yeah, um, I, I want to say I have like an untypical or unusual story of uh, how I end up where I am right now. But I uh, started, uh, grew up, in, born and raised in Israel. Uh, where I served as the army in the army as an, as an officer there. It's kind of mandatory for pretty much every citizen in Israel. Uh, this is the first time where, where, where I actually learned kind of leadership skills and how is it to manage and lead other people, uh, regardless of tech or engineering. Uh, but I, I was always a geek. I was always into kind of computer science, engineering. Um, I kind of grew up with a keyboard <laughs> all the time. Um, and uh, I always wanted to go back to that industry. So after I finished my service, um, I decided to kind of join and, and kind of different companies as a software engineer, where I really was passionate about like the engineering space as, as a whole. And from there, um, anything from kind of small companies to big kind of enterprises like uh, Facebook and Amazon and anything in between until I started uh, my last company, which is uh, LibLab right now. Okay, and uh, as as the CEO of Leap Lab, you, as far as understood, you're working on providing SDK as a service, right? Can you can you share with us how this service helps companies who want to have this SDK for their APIs and what what value it brings? Yeah, so we're we're moving into a world that um, a lot of companies are speaking to other companies using APIs, right? APIs is like the language between uh, different companies, different services. Um, and it's becoming more and more popular. That's like the de facto standard between services inside a company and outside a company with other companies. Uh, the problem with API is that it's very hard to integrate with. Uh, it can be very complex. They change a lot. Um, there are lots of different ways or standards of how to access them. And when companies um, re really care about their APIs and they want to make it more accessible to developers, they usually want to offer SDKs for other developers, right? Because there, there is a huge difference between line of one line of code of integration with this API versus kind of implementing everything yourself on, on, on your side. Um, and usually companies that really want to provide good developer experience, uh, helping um, their developers by offering out of the box a SDK in whatever language uh, their developers work with. The problem is that creating and maintaining those SDKs is very hard. It's a lot of manual work. You need to be industry expert in whatever language you want to provide uh, SDK with. And a lot of times those SDKs are constantly changing because the APIs are constantly changing, right? Um, and what, what LibLab is, is solving is exactly that, right? We are uh, automating this entire process from creating an SDK to maintaining the SDK. Um, as simple as just one line of code as part of the CI/CD pipeline of uh, every company. So 
we really have industry experts in all those different languages. So as a company, I can come and say, hey, like this is the API, this is how I want to be integrated with the rest of the world. Now choose your favorite language and you can do that easily in your own language idiomatic way. That's cool. Okay. Um, and as far as I know, you, you have started a number of companies, uh, multiple companies across different countries, right? Including the US, like uh, Israel, and, and, and as far as I remember, Brazil, right? So w w what are some unique challenges and opportunities you have faced when expanding globally and building this global first companies? And how did you, you know, kind of navigate through those challenges? Yeah, so there are many challenges. Um, there, there are challenges of like understanding the market you're in, right? Because Israel is very different than the US, which is very different than Brazil. Every market has their own unique characteristics when it comes to selling to customers, understanding their point of view, um, the business process and so on and so forth. And obviously there is logistical challenge, anything from setting up company all the way to hiring talent, finding the right talent, evaluating the right talent. Um, and in every market, it's very different. Uh, all the way to what we're doing right right now in FlipLab, which is a remote first company where we actually have high, like we're hiring talent worldwide, right? Um, so we're not bounded to one specific location. Most of our current kind of employees uh, are in the US, but we have people in Europe, we have people in Central and South America, um, and we hire talent wherever they are. Okay, got it. And um, this... Um... Uh, home home dine your, your first startup right uh this was a kind of innovative concept similar to our airbnb but for for meals right am i right um however you, you mentioned i guess in some of your interviews that those uh, cultural differences and consumer behavior presented challenges in the u.s market right so uh, with that what, what were what were the maybe key lessons you have learned from that experience that you can apply building building your existing uh, company, LibLab? Yeah, one of the the, the lessons that I learned in, in HomeDine is really understand the market that you are trying to sell into, right? Um, for instance, the concept in HomeDine was, like you mentioned, Airbnb for meals, right? So you can open a home restaurant from your home, invite people over, charge money for it, right? Um, we started in Israel and it was very popular because the concept of inviting people over um, in Israel is, is, is pretty standard, right? Um, it's not a big deal. Um, when we moved to the U.S., we kind of faced the wall, right? Because in the U.S., the culture is very different. People are more uh, kind of privacy oriented. Uh, for them to open their house for strangers is it's very hard to do. Uh, and also to go to a random house uh, that uh, belongs to someone you never met and kind of have like home-cooked meal there is really unheard of, right? And this is one of those things that we realized too late. Um, we, we weren't really familiar with the market initially. This is, was the first time that I moved to the US. Um, and I just assumed that the same culture, the same kind of behavior will be ported into a different market. Um, and I soon enough realized that it's not going to happen. It's a different culture, a different mentality. Um, and that, that was actually the main reason why we decided to, to close HomeDine. But since then, like the, the lesson that I took with me, right, is that if something works really well in the market that you know, make sure that you really research the market that you want to expand into before doing that, right? Um, don't assume that everybody will behave or adopt the same behavior that you know in your own local zone, because obviously people are different, cu cultures are different, 
um, and really make sure that you really research and know the markets that you want to expand into. Yeah, this does make sense. And you mentioned that you, you have teams in different locations in Europe, right? Uh, I guess in LATAM also, right? So you basically rerun Global First Company. Uh, what are the key factors to consider when hiring globally? Do you have any criteria for a country that, that you that you hire from or you have some you know checklist uh, or anything like that? Yeah, less from a checklist perspective and more from a mindset perspective. Uh, I would say that this decision needs to come up really early in the life cycle of a company, right? If you start, like, let's say all your employees and offices in one location, where, the, where the, this location is, and then you decided to switch to remote forest or to hybrid kind of culture, it's going to be very hard, right? It's going to be very hard because you have, like, different cultures in the company some of them will be office centric some of them will be remote centric some of them will be like somewhere in the middle or hybrid um, so the sooner you make this decision and intentionally make this decision uh, the better uh, what i would say uh, i would suggest for people to avoid is try to um, avoid letting the the circumstances dictate your kind of company strategy right um, oh, we happen to hire someone in different locations, so maybe we should like try to work out some hybrid kind of work or work style. This usually doesn't work really well, right? But if you take a strategic decision as, as a company and you say, hey, from now on, we're going to hire everywhere, you need to pretty much adopt all the processes, communication, uh, culture, evaluation, um, hiring, HR, and so on and so forth to kind of adopt to those new markets. So this this is a very hard decision to make, but once you make it, you really want to make sure that you kind of um, understand the implication for it on, on your current talent and also your future talent and how you're going to move forward. So processes are very important. Um, and also one thing that really worked for us and I, I recommend starting with is try to avoid multiple time zones, right? Um, if you have multiple time zones, it's usually le le lead to a lot of chaotic kind of environment, especially at the beginning. I think once the company is big enough, it's it's okay and it's expected to have multiple time zones. But when you are just getting started, this kind of um, same communication in the same time zone, it's very important. So uh, it doesn't prevent you from hiring people globally, but the people you hire should be aware of the fact that there are like specific working hours that everybody try to be in, uh, in the same time zone or the same sync of those hours. Um, and they need to opt in for that, right? Because for some people, it means like they're going to be working late at night or early morning, right? Um, and they should be opt in for that decision uh, versus uh, letting other people to have different time zones then try to kind of close the gaps with like async communication, which at least in the early stage, it's really hard to do. Got it. I'm, I'm, and I'm just curious, what was your initial motivation to, to hire globally from the day one? So was it kind of budget perspective or the, there was something else? No, it's more like philosophy perspective, right? Like your location, wherever you live, does not have the best people in the world, right? So you don't want to bound yourself to a... 40 mile radius cool. of wherever you live, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so for me, it's like, hey, I want to hire the best people mm -hmm. no matter where they live. I want to give them the opportunity to to, to be hired in a mm -hmm. really great company that we are building. Um, mm -hmm. So for me, the, the motivation is like, talent is everywhere. Let's find the best ones, <laughs> uh, not just the ones that are like in the same radius as yeah. here and, and, and hire them. So it's more like um, building a culture of really great engineering mm -hmm. and great talent. 
and find them wherever they are. Um, that depends awesome. where you live. Uh, budget can be a, a plus or a minus, right? Mm -hmm. But um, but we, we hire people um, globally and we usually pay top of the market. Mm -hmm. Cool. And that's that's another question that I was going to ask. One of the challenges faced by companies when hiring globally, right, is determining fair compensation based on location, probably. And I guess you, I, 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 I heard in, in one of your interviews or somewhere, you, you mentioned the need for better tooling around compensation that takes into account this cost of living and local market rates and, and so on, right? So can you explain more about how you see this, you know, solution? Uh, maybe it's, a, again, like an API or service that gives this accurate and current seller information for specific cities and countries or, you know, any ideas about that? Yeah, so, I mean... Maybe to step back for a second, there are two schools of, of thoughts here, right? Like one is pay everybody the same, uh, no matter where they live. And then the second one, which I think it's more adoptable or more used is like pay people based on their local market, right? Uh, even in the US, right? When I worked in different companies, when I moved from New York to Austin, I needed to, to take a pay cut because Austin is a cheaper market than New York, for example, right? So there is some adaptability to, to kind of local markets and where people live. In terms of tooling, I think it's very hard uh, because different markets have different, obviously, pay scales for different levels, uh, and it's all, always changing and always uh, adaptive. There are some services that we are uh, using right now that are helping with that, but again, there is no like one service that that helps with that, um, and I think it can be a great opportunity. Okay, that's good. And um, so basically, logistics around compensation, but also around Perks can be, you know, significant challenge for global companies, you know. So, uh, and fr from from shipping this walk to employees in different countries to managing payroll and subscription for multiple services that that your your teams should have, right? So, with all that in mind, how do you uh, envision this streamlining this process? How how uh, are you doing it right now in your company? Yeah, that's that's a hard one, right? Like um, the local logistics, um, for instance, you want to ship a T-shirt, right, to someone who mm -hmm. lives in a completely different country, mm -hmm. can be a can be a hustle. Um, I would say that right now we're relying on our operation team, which is doing a really great job to find local provider, or local vendors in every company, in every country that we have people operating in, um, and kind of doing most of this logistics. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is one solution that fits all. Um, I, I would love to have one. <laughs> But mm -hmm. um, I, I, right now we're doing it in house uh, with our operations. Got it. Okay, sounds sounds great. And and for for um, for those talents who are listening to us right now, so we we have a community of around 10k talent in Europe and in uh, Latam. And for those guys who are listening to us right now, how can they become a part of your team or maybe a similar global first company? What they what should they do? Yeah, I mean, there are lots of kind of job boards or aggregator sites that offer remote first kind of or highlight remote first companies and opportunities. If they want to learn about LibLab, they are more than welcome. LibLab.com, um, they will find a career page there and they can apply. Um, we are hiring um, employees or, or contractors wherever they live, as long as they are amazing in, in their field um, and they're willing to work in kind of US time zone. Um, they don't have to live in U.S. time zone, but they are willing to work in U.S. time zones. Um, so, yeah, if, if they want to learn more, libla.com will be the place to go. Cool, cool. And uh, uh, um, 
in terms of global hiring, do you rely on some local recruitment agencies or uh, you just work with, you know, local job boards? What is your strategy here? Yeah, so right now we have an in-house recruitment team that mm -hmm. is taking care of finding the right Everything. talent and kind of reaching mm -hmm. out and, and, and kind of filtering uh, the people. But um, and we're very happy with so mm -hmm. we have kind of in-house recruiters for now. Awesome. Okay. And so uh, I just need to ask this. So Lip Lab uh, has seen this impressive funding success, right? Uh, raising 50 mil in just seven months or something like that, right? So in, in, in today's economic downturn, where many companies are facing layoffs and where investors are becoming more cautious, right? So how can Global First Company uh, stand out and attract investment maybe you can provide any 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 tip on that any tips yeah i mean uh, and then just to be clear we actually raised our our series a in the the down uh, kind of down downturn that the, the market faced but um uh, so we were lucky with that but i would say in, in that regard there is i don't think there is a big difference between remote first or kind of local company when it comes to raising mm -hmm. money is just mm -hmm. you need to have good product market fit you need to have really strong talent and you need to have really big opportunity if you combine those three you will be able to, to raise money obviously you need to show some some kind of traction or credibility to to the to your ability to execute on the vision but um for that regard i think that i i don't think I, I see a lot of difference between companies valuation and, and fundraising mm -hmm. um based on where the company located uh, as long as they have good opportunity and, and, and good kind of track record. Okay, got it, got it. Um, and for, for, for those entrepreneurs who are listening to us right now, what advice would you give to them um, who are maybe looking to build and scale their international companies, right, like, like you did? Not yeah. Not only maybe. from hiring perspective, but only maybe from business sales perspective as well be very intentional of what you want to achieve, what you optimize for, right? Um, for some companies, it means I'm optimizing to hire as little as possible, right? They want a lifestyle business. They don't want to kind of manage hundreds of people and all the overhead that comes with that. And that's totally okay. For companies that are entrepreneurs that really want to scale and build a big sustainable company for generations, um, be very intentional of like where you want to hire, how you want to hire and how you want to, your company to operate, right? It's one thing to say, I want to hire everywhere. Everywhere, It's another thing to say, I'm okay with having people in different markets, different cultures, different communication styles and skill sets, um, and find the right processes that will support that, right? Because hiring is just one challenge. Um, then onboarding those people, retention, kind of career growth, and, and all of that, across multiple areas, multiple culture, it's, it's, it's a whole new different of, of kind of challenges. So be very intentional of how you envision your company progressing and how uh, you want to set the right processes to kind of get you there. Got it. That's, that's a good one. And probably my, my final question. So with, with uh, LipLab being a relatively new company, what, what are your plans for the future? Yeah, so uh, we keep growing. Obviously, hiring talent is, is one of that. But um, our, our biggest kind of plan is um, to open the gate for more and more companies. Right now, we're in a closed beta, open the gate for more and more companies to use it and eventually release it to everybody to, to, to use this amazing product that we're building and um, work with our customers to, to actually build the right things that solve their big pain. Um, and with that, build a really good, sustainable, and durable company for years to come. That's great. 
Okay, so I guess I guess we're good. So thanks a lot to Gif for for sharing your insights on these challenges and obstacles of building global first company on international hiring, on fundraising. So thanks a lot. We wish you and Liblab all the best in your journey. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Vit.